All right, all right. Hear me out on this one. This episode is a bit of a break from the usual but Joe Death Trip, sort of insightful, witty, deeply moving commentary on albums you may or may not have even heard of 20 to 24 years ago. But, you know, when, when I go to the United Kingdom and I catch up with Psychonaut in person, you best bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to milk it for everything it's worth. And we're going to do an episode about it. Did I say it's going to be a high quality episode? No, I didn't. But it is an episode. And I'm about to make one of the classic podcasting errors where it's like, hey, people seem to be listening. They must enjoy our personality. And they'll want to hear our thoughts on things outside of music. You know, they want us to step outside of our bubble. It is fundamentally not true. Stay in your lane, you fucking idiots. But you've got to know the rules to break the rules. And I don't know the rules, so I don't even know if I'm if I'm breaking them. But anyway, to make it worth your while, at the end of this episode, I'll go through some admin, get some of that shit out of the way. And you know what? I've been working on this like Slipknot rap. So I'll have that. Like it's unmixed, it's unmastered, but you'll get the general vibe. That can be your reward for, for getting through this. So strap yourself in as Psychonaut and I go over my red hot takes on my recent trip to the United Kingdom. That's right, Butcher Death Trip listeners who are so loyal and so dependent on content that you would listen to this. I am now a very cultured and well-traveled man. I have been <laughs> to the motherland. <laughs> I have been to the United Kingdom on what experts call a fucking long flight. I have returned to tell of my travels and I've, I've taken some notes while I was in London. Okay. And Benji, I'd love to just chat about the trip, you know, but firstly, it was awesome to see you. Oh, lovely to see you too, man. Um, We'll get to the Leeds side of things because, yeah, I I wanted to get your, I've already got your opinion on Leeds, but I wanted to get it in a public forum. But yeah, it it was fantastic. A flying visit, but, you know, with the amount of energy that you bring to the room, a flying visit is still a pretty sizable visit. It's sort of how I operate. Uh, Like I popped over to Paris for lunch and people were like, aren't you going to spend more time? I was like, no, I can do it all in like six hours. And I fucking, I did a lot of it. Like I honestly, as soon as I got out of the train station, I was on one of those line bikes and I was just riding around the city just like, cool, cool, cool. I got it. I got it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's keep moving. But it was actually so weird to see you because I don't think I took in how long it had been since we'd been in the same room. But because we chat all the time and, and our relationship is sort of like you can drop it and then pick it up in a few years and it's, it's still the same. Yeah. Like when I left your house, I was like, see you, bro. And you're like, see you, man. And then I kind of just left. And then it was, you know, Maeve, when she went to bed, was like, I'll see you in what, seven or eight years, Reese. And, and I was speaking to my friend Nick and he's like, did you catch up with Benji? Did you guys like get a photo? Did you record anything for the podcast? I was like, no, we just sat around, talk shit, and then I left. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, it was just like hanging out. The only thing between me and you is just a big space of land and water. But like, for the most part, it was, oh, you said that Reese is gone. You know, Maeve asked me and it was, yeah, I am. But like, I'll, I'll end up talking to him like tomorrow or, <laughs> yeah. the, or next week. So, you know, the only thing holding us back is just, you know, like I said, a large quantity of land and water, but no, it was really good. Cause it just, it, it felt like 
we just picked up where we left off when we were at um, that wedding in New Zealand. But, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to miss someone who you, you talk to a lot of the time, you know. My only regret is that we didn't do more in Leeds, but... I did, I did feel like I got a, an idea of Leeds. Like, so when I arrived, you know, we went to some pub. I thought White I would... Locks. What was it? Uh, White Locks. It's a grade two listed building in the middle of Leeds city centre. So, yeah, we went there and I ordered, like, a New Zealand beer because I was fucking pretty down on British beers, like those hand-pulled lagers. I was like, get some bubbles. But it was sad to see that the New Zealand beer had sort of catered to the British market. And we're like, hey, we, we've removed all the goodness from our beer and we've made it warm. There you go. And I know it's a cheap <laughs> shot for an Australian to go, like, hey, your beer's warm and, and, and shit, but, like, it is. Like, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. But they love the hand pulls over here because it's all about White Locks is all about craft beer. If you wanted something fizzy like a Staro Pramen or, or you've, you've had a Carlsberg or a Carling, is that correct? Because yeah. when you went to the zoo, you had like, oh, I've got a drink that's got bubbles in it finally, you know. <laughs> hey, you tried Dandelion and Burdock as well. That's true. I did drink um, Dandelion Fluid. Yeah, but it was, it was a really, really great trip, man. But fuck, like people in London... I have never seen a group of people more in need of some pre-workout. <laughs> Pep up, everybody. I know your political sort of system is going down the shitter. I know Brexit has fucked you all over. I know you've realized all your neighbors are racist. I know that the cost of living is going through the roof. I get it. But fucking get some pep up, guys, you know? Get some pre-workout. And make the, the back of your eyes bubble away. The pre-workout selection in London itself is weak and it's terrible. And actually, that was kind of interesting that when you go into supermarkets in Australia, yeah, you look at the, the health section of every supermarket, the amount of protein bars and energy bars and all that sort of stuff that are available is next level. And then you go to London, it's like, oh, we've got the carb killer. Like, that's it. There's only one brand. And they're, you know, they're like, can we interest you in a meal deal? What about a meal deal? What about a sandwich and a tiny cup of apples? It's like, what about some pre-workout? And they're like, nah, nah, we don't have any. And everyone's like, you just got to get it on Amazon. You don't need pre-workout, though, because the, um, the variety of energy drinks that we have on offer here in England, I think it rivals that of Japan's the biggest country with the most amount of energy drinks available. And then I think America comes a close second, but we've, we've definitely got to be up there in, you know, in terms of our energy drink game. So why would you need a pre-workout when you can just, you know, fucking scrumpy hand, <laughs> scrumpy hands, two cans of relentless energy and just, you know, go about your day. There's a difference between the energy drinks and pre-workout. Those energy drinks are often carbonated. And so if I'm having it at, 5.20 a.m. for a 5.30 run. Yeah. It, it feels weird to, like, scull what is essentially lemonade. So the, the pre-workout isn't as carbonated and it's not cold. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Like, I know Maeve, when she gets up, you know, if she doesn't have a coffee, she'll just, like, not scull. I'll give her more credit than that. Snort. Yeah, snort, you know, mainframe it, hardline it to a vein. But I've tried to do that before, like, oh, there's no coffee. Oh, but there's an energy drink. And I can't do it because I just feel weird. Like you said, drinking something fizzy first thing in the morning just does not feel right to me. I need something flat. So whether it be a protein shake or whether it be like a cup of tea or coffee, uh, that's what I'll be doing. But look, I, I, I'm sorry that the um, 
pre-workout game in England didn't work out for you, but you just didn't sound like you were at all enamored with with London. I mean, architecture and hobbies aside, I mean, you went to see LCD Sound System, you know, you ended up going to an adult night in a zoo, but apart from that, you didn't seem too enamored with the hospitality that London provided you with. Is that correct? Yeah, I want to preface it by saying it was one of the best trips in my life. Like, I, And I think right now, because I was over there to visit my wife, over the last like five years, I'd say we've really nailed down how to holiday together and how to travel together. And yeah, it's just so much fun. We just have like nonstop fun. But like I get up earlier than her so I can run and then I meet her sort of at the same energy levels. I'm like a puppy. You got to go like, let me drag my ass along the grass and then I come back and I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, if you got a worm. Yeah. And I, like I won't chew the cables anymore. Yeah, well, I saw that pre-workout that's impacting your <laughs> anal gland, which is why you're dragging your butthole across the grass. But we digress or digress. So I had an amazing time and it was actually a weird time warp because I, I honestly feel like I blinked and now I'm back here. And I was like, I've been back home for a week now. And I was like, oh my God, like where did that time go? But like just I found customer service in London. I, and originally I'm like, maybe this is the whole UK in London. It was fucking grim. And it wasn't like, oh, they're being rude or it's such a mega city or it's so international, you know, uh, that people just get tired or that people just sort of don't even see or whatever. It just felt like they didn't have the energy. Like, I reckon if they had a bit more energy, they would have been a bit like, oh, hi, how are you? And maybe it was because my power, one of my only skills in life is just chatting at people and wearing them down until they sort of befriend me or, or let me in. And my powers were rendered useless amongst customer service uh, and hospitality in London. Like no one wanted to bar of what I had to say or like any of my questions. Mm. There's almost no, no light behind the eyes. And I understand it, there's a lot going on in London, maybe a stressful city, but I, I would say if you're not that happy, like you could, you could move to Leeds because people in Leeds were way happier. Hey! Way happier. Way chattier. Northern hospitality, man. Northern hospitality. As soon as I got on the train, the train ticket guy was walking up and down the aisles and he's like, oh, let me scan your phone for the ticket. And everyone had it. And then he says to one guy, you've only got like 4% of battery. And the guy's like, yeah, how am I going to scan my ticket to get out of the station in two hours? And he's like, I'll get you a phone charger. And I'm like, that guy's not from London. That guy's from Leeds. I promise you. <laughs> as soon as I got to Leeds, you and Maeve picked me up. I commented on how tall you were. I went to yep. the WH Smith to try and find a magazine for Ez from Space Goat. Couldn't find it. Came out to meet you guys. Then you walked me to my hotel. We saw some guys with blood all over their face. Yeah, which we avoided. So we took the second entry to the Marriott, your posh guy, the Marriott. Yeah, I don't fuck around. And then when we get to the Marriott, I'm like, look, I'm early. Can you can you hold my bags? And I'm like, I'll check you in. I'm like, cool. They're like, you're in room like 415. I was like, cool. Let's go up to room 415 open the door and there's a guy like in the door on the other side and I see his face and I scream. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, no, it was it was weird. It was so, we got off the elevator, you opened the door and the moment you opened the door, it kind of felt like a game show, like, like you know, blind date. Like, oh, and here's your blind date, but with none of the pretext involved. <laughs> so, so Reese opens the door and he is presented with a, uh, let me paint the picture here. The door opens. He's face to face with a, a, a cropped head gentleman dressed in the Marriott uniform. You look up above 
and there is a portion of the ceiling missing. So, and, and there's a ladder there. So you instantly get the impression, oh, this guy must be a handyman, but he's dressed to the nines to be a handyman. And more importantly, the dopest fucking techno this side of Armley pumping through his phone through the Bluetooth on his actual TV set. And the look he gave you was, oh, uh? and you were like, oh, I'm sorry. And he was, oh, this room is meant to be taken off. And you, and you were like, oh, don't worry about it. I just want to drop my bag. That's all, you know, like you can do keep doing what you're doing. I just need to chuck a piss, drop my bag down. I'm, you know, me and this guy were just going to go. And then he was just so fucking apologetic that you ruined his fucking work. Yeah, yeah. I was like, bro, it's so cool. He's like, all I can say is sorry. And I'm like, I don't care. He's like, I'll get out of your hair. Because he'd sort of removed a bunch of the roof. And I was like, man, I won't be back for hours. I'm just putting my bag down. Finish your shit. No stress. And he's like, oh, I told them at, you know, check in to not put anyone in this room today. They told me they wouldn't. We made some jokes about, you know, I'm like, oh, you can go back to chucking your sick rave now, you know, put your fat pants back on, get a lollipop. And he joked, he laughed along with it as well. It wasn't like moodiness. It was a kind of a comedy of misunderstanding that became Reesoner's element, just bantering with a completely random person he met not five minutes beforehand. I could tell he wasn't from London because if he was from London, he would have, you know, slit my throat and fucked the wound. (laughs) Oh God. And stolen your bourbon biscuits (laughs) in your tea set. He he was eating those biscuits. He was eating the biscuits. So um, then I come back from yours and there's a note on the table in my hotel room, like, sorry for the, for scaring you have two complimentary drinks. I think he thought you were staying with me as well. Uh, Cause I'm your gay lover. Yeah. Well, I was going around telling everyone that. I don't think he'd given out complimentary drinks before because I took it down to the bar and I was like, I'm doing two drinks here. And they're like, but this is from the the maintenance man. I was like, yeah. And so they had to take it to their manager. And the manager comes over and is like, how do you know this guy? I'm like, oh, he was cranking techno in my room. And they're like, what? And I was like, he was like cranking techno and I let him play it so he could finish doing work. And they're like, oh, he does love techno. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want both drinks at once? And I said, I'm not at a frat party. Like I would like to, I'd like to have one and then when I finish it, I will come back for the other. Uh so I got two vodka sodas because I'm a basic bitch. What would the what would the bartenders like with you as well? Still extended the same kind of hospitality that you were treated to in Leeds? Yeah, absolutely, man. Everyone I met in Leeds ha- was talkative and they were friendly and stuff. Uh, the, your, the Uber driver that picked me up from your house, he told me that during COVID, too many people were moving to, you know, get a, a tree change and it was driving up the price of the real estate in the countryside. So the government was lighting fires in the countryside that to, to scare the city folk back into the city. And I said, that seems like a pretty wild plan. Usually they would do some sort of tax incentive or, you know, some sort of bonus or subsidy sort of program. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, they're just lighting wildfires out in the bush. Now, I don't know if there have been wildfires near your house, Benji, or if this is common knowledge, but yeah, spread the word. You went to Camden, which everyone, everyone, everyone always goes, hey, you got to go to Camden. you got to check out Camden. And your thoughts about Camden are almost similar to my thoughts about Camden, which is, all right, this is cool, but uh, it's not like this mecca for goth people. Maybe cyber goths, but may, you know, not this mecca for alternative people. It's yeah. I mean, I think as a general rule, Western society needs to get over markets. 
you know, you go to the Brick Lane ones and there's markets. There's markets everywhere. It's like, oh, cool. What's this one got? It's like, oh, like jam in, in, in some jars, like some marmalade and like records that have been turned into clocks. And you're like, yeah, that's the same that I can get around the corner in my house. Like, yeah, this is just fucking junk. Like, what are we doing? And I've got a big beef with food trucks and like those food markets because they're like, oh, you know, nine pounds and you can get this huge meal. I'm like, no, I don't want a huge meal. I want to sample everything from those trucks. So make like a small two pound little sampler and I can have 12 separate dishes and be like, oh, I love the Nepalese momos and I love, you know, the Shalombal from here and I love that because otherwise I'm going around all your vans and being like, I've got to settle on one. Yeah. And yeah, I just think those markets are kind of just like, yeah, they're, they're cool on paper, but like, what am I doing here? What am I buying? I'm not buying anything. I, I walk up and down and I go, yep, cool. I, I think that to have a chain like JB Hi-Fi go over to to London would be amazing because Curry's is not great. They were closed on a Saturday, which I couldn't understand. None of us could understand that because you met longtime listener Martin on the trip. He came uh, around when you visited us. And I explained to him about your experiences in London where a lot of shops were closed on a Saturday, including Curry's. And he was confused because... Of all the places, curry should have been open on a Saturday. So what gives? It was like Saturday, maybe like 4 p.m., but it's still like I looked up the times in Bendigo for JB Hi-Fi and it was like 8 to 9 on a Sunday. And I was like, come on, guys. Like a bunch of pubs were closed on a Saturday. I was, I was, I met a friend in London and we were trying to find a pub on a Saturday afternoon to have a drink and so many were closed. And I still don't understand like Pret. Like some are open and some aren't and some open at 10 and some open at 7 and some open at 6. I was like, can we get some uniform options here, guys? Can we all <laughs> yeah, just agree man. to be open by eight? If you want to open earlier, cool, but you're all open by eight. So we'd walk past, like, my wife was like, oh, I just want to get this, like, peanut butter yogurt from Pret. I love it. And I was like, cool. And we walked past, like, two, and I was like, there they are. And she's like, no, nah, they're, they're closed on Saturdays and Sundays. I was like, why? We have to walk past two to get to another one. Anyway, ultimately, I thought it was a really, really fun, just, like, walking around, seeing all the, the history and the architecture, like that's what Melbourne doesn't really have. It's still a relatively new country. Yeah, I mean, you were you were absolutely spoiled because your partner lives around the Barbican area, and if people aren't familiar with Barbican, I mean, I am a massive, massive fan of brutalist architecture, uh, you, and it's just the Barbican area, especially the Barbican itself, is just one of those testaments to how fucking awesome brutalist architecture can be. So even though like the customer service might be lacking the visuals that you must've, you know, had around you in London must've been fantastic. Barbican was an incredible place. I did urinate there in the really cool toilets. I did brush my teeth there because I'm an Invisalign boy. Uh, My wife hangs out there quite a lot. Like I was at the uh, London bridge on a Sunday morning. There weren't many other joggers. And I was like, to a guy, hey, I can't be fucked getting my phone out. Where's Big Ben? He's like, it's just up there. And I was like, awesome. So I just start running. And it was 4K up. Like, it was quite far. And I was like, well, now this, like, oh, wow. 6K run has turned into an 11K run. Fine. You know, it was cool. It was a great run, though. But, like, it's fine. But what I noticed about, like, London runners is a lot of them didn't have, like, armbands or pouches to put their phones in. They're all holding their phones. And I reckon London is the capital of the wired headphones in the world. Everyone's wearing wired headphones on the tube. Yeah. Everyone's walking with wired headphones. It's bizarre. Do they know Bluetooth exists? 
Yeah, I think sometimes it might be a status symbol, though, of like, you know how there was a spate of robberies in probably about 10, 15 years ago when the iPhone first came out and you had the wired headphones and people would get beaten up and, and robbed because the wired headphones, if they were white, robbers immediately realized, oh, that must be a new iPhone. And it got to the point where people would use white headphones with just generic mobile phones to give up the impression that they had an iPhone. So it's ridiculous, man, you know, absolutely ridiculous. But I also kind of think, I mean, I don't, I have wired headphones. I mean, I haven't really moved over to the, the Bluetooth earbud thing yet. I think I do like Bluetooth, you know, over the head earphones. I just, my biggest concern is that if one of my earbuds drops down a drain, I'm fucked. And one of my ears, the inside of it's pretty messed up anyway. So yeah, I don't know why they're wired. Surely having wired headphones while you're jogging or running, though, is going to limit the amount of kind of arm swinging you can do at the same time. Is that correct? Absolutely. Like, I use a running pouch. You put your phone, your keys in that, and then you just run. You don't have a phone smashing into your groin. You don't have to hold anything. You can just enjoy the run. But, yeah, I definitely noticed that. But also, what's your take on no internet or phone signal in the tube well it's a fucking ball lake isn't it especially when we're so reliant on mobile phone. like oyster cards you can get an oyster card on your phone but how are you going to load up your oyster card let's say for example that you accidentally closed it while you're on the underground and you need to scan off how's that going to work if you log on and it needs an internet connection to verify who you are you know or something like that I mean, I hear because like being a tourist there, sometimes you need to be like, oh shit, is this the station I get off at? Or is it, which exit, exit am I taking? Or what am I doing here? And you can't find it. And I know years ago, like the Chinese company Huawei were like, yo, London, we'll, we'll happily put like, you know, internet reception through your tube. And the London public were like, no, 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 no way. Now it was partly because of privacy and security concerns, but it was also like, we like this way of life. It's the one time our boss can't contact us and it's the one time, you know, we can read a book. And I was like, well, look, you can still do those things and you can still put it on flight mode. Yeah, it's called Do Not Disturb. Yeah, but I don't know why I can't continue looking up something or getting some information or, like, you know, buying a ticket. Listen, listening to Batsio Death Trip. Man, I just didn't stop, you know, every day, you know, 14 hours a day. And my wife said, please, you know, I can only get so aroused, you know, Turn it off. <laughs> um, I had a question about your journey up to Leeds. I got a couple of questions actually. Um, were you surprised at all on that train journey, just how green Yorkshire is before you land into the middle of Leeds? Not, no, not really. But because my wife had just travelled sort of that way, um, and she was saying it's kind of interesting in London. You just go like a few minutes out on the train, and all you see is green. So I was kind of expecting that. What did fucking confuse me was a bunch of old men sitting on the train platform just who just were like watching the trains. And I, I can't... Oh, and, Don, and Doncaster. Yeah. Dirty Donny. I, I just couldn't figure that out because it's like, who started it? Like, and what time do they organize to meet? And are they doing it every day? I don't know. I, I just like, is that like 
when you're 30 and you're like, oh, and you imagine retirement, are you imagining like just sitting on the train station platform? Like, I don't understand what they're doing. They didn't even look up at the train. They were just talking. I mean, there's got to be quieter places to talk. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that they weren't even looking up at the trains. I thought they might have been train spotters unless they were waiting for a specific train to arrive. Was were they in deck chairs as well? Did you say? Yeah, they're in like foldable, the proper proper chairs. lounging, not waiting around for anything, just having a lounge on the platform, just sitting around. Yeah, talking shit. Yeah, it was like the Keeping Up Appearances and King of the Hill mashup. Like it was a crossover episode. You saw where I took you to. Um, because we walked all the way down from the bottom of Brigitte. So we went to Whitelock. If you're familiar with Leeds, you'll probably know. We went down to Whitelocks and then we walked all the way up Brigitte, which is basically kind of like the one of the main uh, shopping drags, the high street drags. Uh, and then we cut through the core, which had like a couple of food halls and then part through uh, Dortmund Square where the man in the barrel is. And then we went to the Greggs. And then we walked along the head row and you caught the art gallery and also the uh, the annex to the art gallery. A lot of people playing um, street chess, weren't there? Yeah. A lot of people gathered around playing chess in that area. It's cool, actually. I saw that in London as well. Like, younger people as well. And it made me feel really dumb because I don't know really how to play chess. So um, Walked up to Millennium Square so you can take a look at also where gigs are because Haim played there earlier this week um which was why there was all of that kind of uh fencing that was about ready to be constructed the civic hall which i i fucking forgotten how glamorous that play it looks so clean like that white yorkshire kind of stone that they use with like the gold flourishes you thought it was where marty mcfly and doc got in back to the future is that correct it reminded me of like that that tour you do through uh universal studios where like and this is where like every film is filmed and this is where you know back to the future was filmed but it was it was still a cool area like the, i call it the willenium square and I, yeah, everyone, you did. everyone was getting jiggy with it over there, but it was, it was a fucking nice town. I'm still intrigued though. The fact that I thought you were bullshitting me when you said, no, I'm just going to go to Paris for a day. That's all I'm going to do. Get off the train, have a look around and go, yeah, I get this vibe. You managed to pack in a decent amount. You got yourself a nice little, was it a uh, fromage et jambon baguette? Yep. Did you, yeah. And then you, uh, you, went to the Eiffel Tower. Did you get hit up by any Romani gypsies? Uh, so, yeah, I went, I rode my bike through the city uh, to the Arc de Triomphe, and that was cool. And yeah. then I like, I'm like, I'm going to walk now to the the Eiffel Tower. And as soon as I got there, one was like, yo, do you speak English? And I was like, uh, I mean, is Australian English really? I mean, it's debatable. And she's like, sign this petition. And then I was like, all right. And I gave her like a fake name, like, you know, Ryan Mudvane, whatever. And then yeah. she's like, now you need to give a donation. I was like, no. And I couldn't have if I wanted to because I was so busting for a piss. I kept finding these toilets and they were like two euros. And I was like, I would gladly pay you 50 euros just to piss because I'm about to piss my pants at the Eiffel Tower. And I don't want to yeah. forever associate that with this. Do you take card? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, I don't have any money. And it was only like, when I was getting off the Eurostar, where I was like, hey, I'm not actually prepared for this trip. I didn't research anything. I didn't know if my SIM card would work there. I didn't know if my bank cards would work there or anything like that. Like, I just hadn't, I'm like, oh, I could be fucked here. 
And then luckily my SIM card had roaming, so it was cool and, you know, Amex worked and stuff. But I didn't have any actual change to, to, to piss. I've, I had to wait for ages at a public toilet near the Eiffel Tower just to piss. But, like, I literally went there. Then I got, like, a scooter and I rode, like, four and four five k through the city to get this croissant and baguette. And I ate that on the river. And then I went to some bars and pubs. And then I went to the Born Bad record store because a friend of a friend owns that. And then, like, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm good. I'm good to go. I've done Paris. I'll see you later. Like, yeah, I, I could spend more time there, but... Maybe not. Like, I, I wasn't lying. All I needed was a date. And I said to my wife, what time do you finish school? She said 5.30. I was like, great, I'll meet you at the pub at 5.30. So I was back there by 5.30. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you rocked on the Paris, went, yo, Reese, represent in Paris, came back, had a beer, cool, weird. It was a seamless trip. The only thing that went wrong was when I got back to Australia, they lost my bag between Perth and Melbourne. Which is fine. I actually didn't care. It's just that I sat at the carousel after a 23-hour fucking flight for so long until the airport was empty and they turned the carousel off. And I was like, oh, where's my bag? And they're like, oh, I didn't make it on the plane. I was like, cool. And they go, we'll courier it to your house on Sunday. And I was like, no problem. I could have been at home by now. So, like, I'm just going to go home now. They're like, yeah, cool, no worries. So that was that was easy. But the weird thing is, like, I was thinking about this. You go to London, right? And, yeah, and you become a tourist. And I was walking over a bridge with my wife and we heard this, like, tourist boat go going along and they're like if you look to the right you'll see this if you look to the left you'll see that and i was like fuck that's cool i'm like but like we never do that in our own city like if you did one along melbourne it might be just as interesting and it might be like well i i learned more about the city that, that i live in that i see every day so there's nothing like that in melbourne there, i'm sure there is no but i'm saying I don't do it. Like you, you're not. You're never a tourist in your own city. Well, why would why would you do it though? Because but you should you're do not it. a tourist. Why should you do why it? Why should I go to you? Like why should I go to London for nine, ten, eleven days and be like, all right, tell me everything there is to know? It's like I didn't care about this in my own city. Why should I care about it in a city that I'm only in for ten days every couple of years? So maybe I'd appreciate Melbourne a lot more if I had done a tour, talking tour. And I, my sort of reasoning for that is. During lockdown, there was an American tour guide here who had no clients because of lockdowns, obviously. So he started doing TikTok videos about Melbourne and posting them in the Melbourne subreddit. And people loved it. They're like, thank you so much. This is really interesting. And it was to learn about a city that you just walk through and be like, oh, that's why that sign is like that. Or that's why those buildings are like that. Or that's why those that thing is that way. But I don't give a fuck about it because I'm like, I'm only here for you know to meet a friend for brunch or whatever. But meanwhile... I go to another city and I'm like, all right, I'm a I'm tourist. Tell me what, what do you got? Like, tell me all your information, tell me all your history. And like you said, with the botanical gardens, like we went to Cambridge and everyone's like, you got to go to the botanical gardens. And I got there and I was like, Bendigo's got one of these and it's just as good, if not better. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why am I here? Like, what is this? And, and like, that's my huge issue with um, traveling or travel blogs or travel guides you look up, okay, interesting things to do in London. And like number three is go to a bookstore and watch the world go by. And I was like, fuck off. I paid $4,000 for these tickets. I sat in an airport for three hours. I sat on a plane for 22 and a half hours. I've got a bookstore around the corner from my house. If I wanted to, like the world, is, it's similar, you know. Give me something that is London specific. That's what I want, you know. Give me something that I can only do in London. Well, getting prepped 
I guess, get or prep. not getting yeah. prepped. Get the worst I'm customer not, service not. of your life. <laughs> yeah. Spend a fortune on a peanut butter yogurt. Yeah. That does sound good, though. The worst thing was when I finally found the pre-workout, I bought some, and then my credit card company was like, we think this is fraudulent activity. Uh, we've frozen your card. So my card was frozen for a few days, and I was like, guys, surely you must know that I I love pre-workout. Like, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Put two and two together. The man just wants some pre-workout in a foreign country. Sort it out. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, it was, it was really, really fun. I, I do think London, the traffic lights need to make some noise. In in yep. uh, in Australia, when when the like I miss so many green lights. You push the button, you wait to cross the road, you're looking around, you're being a fuckhead, you're talking shit, and then you're like, oh, we've missed our turn because it's just a green light and it's sort of like on the the side down near your hip and you don't see it. Whereas in Melbourne, for the blind people, it goes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same in Auckland as well. In Auckland, if you were blind and deaf, you could put your hand on the side because I know that my dad had problems sometimes listening and seeing. And you could put your hand on the side where the button is and a little kind of, not a pin, but like just a little kind of metal rod would pop out and just flick you on the thumb to indicate, yeah, it's you can cross the road now. Which I thought was fucking cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really missed that. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that. But I really was like, I don't know when to cross the road. Like, give me more of a signal, please. And then, anyway, like, people in London were just walking across the road, like jaywalking, like they didn't give a fuck. It was, it was quite. It was a lot more lawless than I than I realized. People just like, especially the traffic. People just fucking hooning in and out. Like, when you're on those those higher bikes, you, you realize like I can do whatever the fuck I want. You know what I mean? I got multiple alerts on my phone saying you're riding through a no bike area, but there were so many bikes around, so I didn't know what to do. So would you do it again? And if you came over, would you want to dedicate a bit more time to a certain area? I'd be like, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I flew Melbourne to Perth, Perth to London, and if it's good to just get it done. Like I, I don't know about like going like an eleven hour flight, a layover, an eleven hour flight. Like I kind of like just like settling in for a sixteen hour flight and just been like, all right, this is what it is. I I didn't tell you this. One of my friends, one of my wife's friends, works that uh, flight from. Melbourne to London, also oh, from Perth to London, and he wasn't working, but his friends were, and so before the plane took off, they were like, "Hey, are you big rigs?" And I was like, "Yeah," and they go, "Do you want champagne or anything?" And I was like, "No, I'm good." It feels weird to drink champagne in economy, and he's like, "No, no, whatever you want," but it'd be so weird to sort of sit around with all the other yeah, economy again, passengers and be like, oh, I didn't in the first class treatment, but an, an economy. <laughs> I literally, they would come up to me all the time with like pajamas or like the first class kit or like they had a huge bag full of first class snacks and all the fruit and stuff. And I ended up, it was so much that I ended up just giving it out to people all around me. Like I gave out so many Kit Kats. Oh, I knew you would. I knew you would. You're not the kind of person that would just be sat there getting like first class treats and, and enjoying it all to yourself. You, you'd you'd want to pass it out. You'd want to share that wealth. That's what I love about you. Well, I also had Invisalign. So I'm like, I can't <laughs> okay. be bothered taking the, my trays out. So Invisalign didn't want to be a prick. You could be a prick, but Invisalign prevented you. Yes. And I finish in a few months and I expect to be a total asshole again because I couldn't eat whenever I wanted to. I sort of had to eat in blocks and go brush, floss. 
rinse my mouth, put the tray back in for for a few hours and stuff. So, yeah, I was like, oh, I can't eat all those Kit Kats, but also like there were a bunch of families near me with kids. I'm like, just eat whatever you want. No one actually asked why I had these big bags of snacks or what was going on. They were all quite polite, but yeah, it was, it was a bit too much attention. You know, oh, here's something. I'm like, you know what? Just put me up in first class then. Like if there's a spare seat, chuck me up there. I'd rather that with no service than all the service in the back of the plane. You know, it felt weird. Oh, yeah. Here's a fucking harsh lesson that I learned. I deliberately chose towards the back of the plane when I was selecting my seat. How come? Because I thought, well, that I'm, I'm going to get up a lot to brush my teeth. So it's just easier. It's near a toilet. It's fine. Turns out if you have a baby or a kid around the age of one, one and a half, you also think the back of the plane is the best spot. And everywhere I looked, it was just kids screaming. They're either awake or screaming. And I saw one kid sort of, you know, rouse from a slumber and then just go straight into screaming. It was like Ooh. Corey recording Iowa. It was just relentless. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fucking. It could have been worse. That kid could have just woken up and gone straight into Omega. <laughs> Dastardly bastards coming on the American flag. I also understand that if you're <laughs> sat at the back of a plane, what are you giggling at? It's I, just I, a baby, like, you know, going into some spoken beat. Oh, God, poetry. yeah, no, definitely. Uh, wake up uh, no so also i understand that if you experience turbulence the back of the plane is not where you want to be you want to be either near the wings where it's all spread out or near the front because at the back much like a roller coaster you're just going to get whipped and you had some pretty nasty turbulence didn't you we had about three hours pretty pretty solidly but i was but talking to the uh, flight crew was really good because some of them had been working for like 17, 20 years. And you're like, you know, if you've been flying that long and, and like these long flights for that many years and you haven't crashed and burnt and died, like odds are I'm not going to either. But I, I, I spoke about this in the Madcaps episode. I honestly was playing cold as comfort music just so I could tune out. But I, I had a few albums that I was just like looping. And so there's a June Jones album that I, I absolutely love. And I was listening to Tom York's new album, new band, The Smile as well, which which I really liked. But man, that brings me to British music. Hey, London, we get it. You are London. The only music I heard coming out of like cafes and shops and all that stuff was The Specials, Madness, Radiohead, Blur, and The Spice Girls. We get it. Like, you can play some other music, guys. No Oasis. I did not hear any Oasis. I wow. was expecting it. That's that north-south divide, man. They do hear Oasis quite a lot. I don't know. I don't go into shops. It all just sounds very kind of, like, generic. I know that uh, it, there's a lot of Arctic Monkeys that gets played. You know, not even early Arctic Monkeys. Uh, like Greaser period. AM era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, crawling back to you. So, Reese, just finally, before we finish off this bonus episode of uh, uh, Big Reese Intrepid Travels, yeah, uh, what's the quickly? What are the five quick tips that you would give people visiting Leeds? Leeds in particular. Well, let's say let's say Leeds in London. Let's say England as a whole. I just want to big up Leeds because I live here, and you know, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm bigging it up because I was born up in Lancashire. So, by rights, because of the War of the Roses, I should be telling you how shit Leeds is, but kind of fucking hard man when like everyone i've met in leeds is pretty much like a, a gc tip one don't buy socks at boots they are expensive 
uh, and they're not worth it. But also, don't buy socks at Primark because Primark sucks. Like Primark, I know, I know the the whole joke about Primark is it sucks, but it's trying to be like Cotton on Kmart, Big W, Target, all these shops in Australia in one store, but it does it so poorly. And I waited for so long because my my plan was basically I took over fuck all clothes and I just bought everything there because I couldn't be fuck packing all this shit. And I was like, who cares? Um, and I wanted to pack light, so. I spent more time in Primark than I'm willing to admit. Shopping in boots, it w- was expensive. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, like I think the days of like getting currency out and exchanging it, you know, at the airport or at a bank before you leave, those days are over. Like I just used my yeah. – my, I, I got a new like bank account and just put money into that and just tapped that everywhere. So if it got like skimmed or stolen, I didn't actually care. I was like, yeah, it's fine. I – Got a travel sim delivered to my house in Melbourne before I uh, left. Is that is that tip three? Tip three: get a travel sim before you leave. Get a travel sim because then, as soon as you land, you're not worried about roaming or anything like that. And I got a hundred gigs for like a two week period. And as soon as my plane landed, I just put it in. I had internet straight away. I didn't connect to Wi Fi once in in the two weeks, and I was like, you know, listening to my football team play in the morning and stuff like that. So yeah, so. All, all I really had was a new bank card that I transferred money into when I needed it, a travel sim. That was pretty easy. Should have brought more socks and, and not have to purchase them from Boots. <laughs> uh, what's tip, tip number four? Tip number tip four, four. Tip four is go to Greg's and get a sausage roll. It's, oh, it's a delicacy. <laughs> it's just good, humble fucking soul food at the end of the day. People give Greg so much shit, but it's like just it's it's what you want. Just quickly run in. I'll get a baguette, or, a, or I'll get some porridge, or I'll get like a yum yum or a donut. Yeah, and and it was great. I mean, uh, those sausage rolls. I'll fucking die on that hill. Are some of the best sausage rolls I've ever had. I actually don't really eat for taste. It's it's a real big problem. I just sort of eat because. My body texture. needs fuel and texture, basically. Okay. Like, I'm a bit of a philistine when it comes to food. I just sort of put it in, and I'm like, "Yep, cool, I've had enough." And then I go, like, it's it's kind of a blessing when I'm drunk because I don't, I don't drunk eat kebabs or anything like that. Like, I never wake up with McDonald's next to me. I just am like, "Yeah, I don't really care about food," and yeah, so I I'm not the person to ask for that. But and I wouldn't mind like getting off the train at Dirty Donny, tip five, and just walking around there oh okay like a it, it'd be interesting they've got a race course in doncaster but i'm not sure if it's still the uh highest rated per capita teen pregnancy and chlamydia capital of england and that might have changed now but that might not be my tip five i think tip five for me would be just sit in a bookstore and watch the world go by you know take oh yeah no definitely definitely man. get some healing yeah. crystals and just Enjoy your own breathing. Yeah, you know, get tantric on it. Ultimately, it was an amazing trip, and I, and I would do it again. The flights didn't feel as bad. It, it you know, my wife doesn't feel as far away. You know, um, yeah. If I had to do it, and it was like you've got a few days, I would do it. Like if like if if she had like her exhibition on or something like that, and it was on a Saturday night, and I flew in Friday, landed Saturday morning got a flight home on Sunday night, landed, you know, Tuesday morning, whatever. I'm like, I wouldn't enjoy it, but I could do it. I could do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, man, it must be fucking healthy. You are quite tall. Like, I'm a little boy, so I can kind of, like, tuck yeah. my legs in and stuff. Like, if I was even just a few centimetres taller, it'd be a pain in the ass. Yeah, I, I get annoyed with the lack of room. Uh, the buses in Leeds, though, uh, and in fact, like, the mega bus going down to London or the National Express, I've never really had a problem with those. And I, I love on the tube how it's how the seating is all kind of, like, along the sides of the carriages rather than, you know, uh, kind of like rows of seats, rows of seats, rows of seats. I think if you're going to attack people who manspread, you've got to show me another way that I can assert dominance and intimidate people and take up as much space as I want because that's why I'm doing it. Like how else are people going to know that I'm king shit, you know, if I'm not manspreading? <laughs> it was also kind of cool for me that UK has totally given up on any sort of COVID protocols or I was like, do I need to do a rat <laughs> test? Do I need to wear a mask? Well, for now, for now, man, they're looking at curbing that. But you know what? That's going to be a story for about four months' time when uh, the COVID rates spike over here. Um, but other than that, it was an absolute pleasure seeing you, dude. Yeah, I can't believe how sort of nonchalant we were about it. It was just like, yeah, cool, cool, see ya. So it, it was an honor, and, and I appreciate you venturing into the city and, and hosting me. It was cool to meet Martin, and it was great to see Maeve again, and... Yeah, and showed her an echidna's penis, so that's something she won't forget. That was fun. Yeah, we learned about <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> we learned about <laughs> Yeah, I'll be bleeping that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the Well, how was that? Did that quench your unquenchable thirst for content and stimulus? Do not let anyone tell you that Baccio Death Trip believe in quality over quantity we are all about quantity over quality let's get into the admin got this message from simon who was on our 50th episode on taproot i suggest you go and listen to that 20 to 35,000 times share it with your friends it's soon to be award-winning and here's what he had to say about a certain incident in bendigo involving sepultura or Sepultura. Hey, bro. First of all, really enjoyed the Sepultura podcast. If you ever do any Sepultura again, you got to bring up the battle. It was probably a bit before you were a teenager. There was apparently a big battle in Bendigo about how to pronounce Sepultura. And there was like a gang fight. I don't even know if it was true. That I think I said to you, I don't even care about the truth sometimes. There's a good yarn that got around Bendigo that um, there was a, two groups of people. One was Sepultura, one was Sepultura. And there was like a fight over the name. I had not heard that story, but it 100% checks out in my mind because I once saw a fight at my high school that was organized over the Bendigo Bands Forum. So shit got real. It was really competitive. You know how like people talk about these scenes that are like all inclusive and everyone was helping each other, like the Deftones far will haven scene it's like no 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 i saw a guy from my band have his fucking hair ripped out of his skull by someone else because of a comment on a bendigo bands forum that was pretty innocuous and i don't know whether this story of the sepultura sepultura fight actually happened but we have a blanket alleged on this podcast so i'm gonna say it 100 happened now on to the next bit of business so we were planning to do an episode on this album called Scars by a band called Soil and there is nothing in that band there's fuck all information there's not enough it's it's so bland basically that you would really struggle to get a whole episode 
about it. And I basically just did a whole episode on how Londoners need to take a bunch of pre-workout. But in preparation for the episode and to see what was there, when I was listening to it, I was like, God, this needs some lead guitar. So I reached out to my friend Andy Darlington, who plays in a band with an, an incredible name, Calamari and the Seafood Extenders. 100% get behind it. Now, Andy is an incredible musician, really, really good guitarist. And I don't know if he's a session guitarist, but he should be. So hit him up if you want lead guitar. Tell him I'll, tell him Big Rigs from the Butcher Death Trip podcast sent you, and he will rip you off or do a deal. I, I don't know which way he's going to go, but 100% reach out to him, support what he's doing, whatever. But he added a guitar solo to this song, Halo by Soil. So quickly, like I sent him the grab and I was like, can you just add a little bit of a guitar over the top of this? And probably within 18 minutes, he's like, oh, I just had a bash out. What do you reckon of this? Instantly made the song better. I'm not much for flashy guitars, but goddamn soil needs like a lead guitarist. Just something to, I don't know, wet the palette a little bit. And if you want to hear us talk about bland bands, we've, we've done Disturbed ages ago. So you can listen to that. But anyway, here's Andy shredding over soils. Halo. You get the idea. Let me skip to the end where he does this mean solo. Take it away, Andy Darlington! Hell yeah, Andy. Thank you so much for doing that, man. Really appreciate it. And I challenge people to go and listen to Soil's Halo now without that lead guitar. Oh, you'll just, it'll be so bland. Next bit of business. Let's keep it moving, everybody. So apparently when we were doing the Killswitch Engage episode, I was reading that Roadrunner Records held some sort of new metal funeral. And so I posted on Reddit like nine months ago nearly, Hey, has anyone got any info on this? And no one really replied. And then just recently, someone called Johnny Satz has replied. I'm going to read it out. I organized it at Roadrunner Records Australia as a way to launch Killswitch Engage's Alive or Just Breathing record. We performed the funeral at a place called Monsalvet in Melbourne, and I read a eulogy that poked fun at new metal. I think we did it in 2000, but my memory is a bit hazy on exact dates. We dug a grave and chucked in typical new metal iconic items like a teddy bear missing an eye, a Marilyn Manson inspired stocking, etc. 
It was hilarious, but not without some controversy as we had plenty of new metal bands on the label at the time. But what is hard to explain is that in 2000, no bands really wanted to identify as new metal. Kind of like how no hipster would ever admit to being a hipster. We also loved the idea that made fun of ourselves and this was certainly of, uh, one of them. They said they were going to check with some of their ex-colleagues whether they have any old photos of the event uh, that they can post. I've reached out to them. I'm like, look, come on the podcast, open invitation, get on there. I haven't heard back from them yet, but it sounds like it was isolated purely to Australia, which is probably why there isn't much information out there. But there you go. A stranger on the internet has said it happened. So therefore, it absolutely happened, just like this Sepultura Sepultura fight in Bendigo. All right. We're nearly there where I debut the Slipknot rap. I mean, it's rough as guts, people. It is <laughs> It is not polished. Will I make it sound better? I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I'm like a cat, you know, and you've got a laser and the cat's really into the laser and like jumping around the place. But then the cat sees a fly or someone knocks on the door and then the cat gets rattled. Like I've just, I've gotten distracted from it. I haven't made a film clip, so I, I probably should do something with it, but it is, it's not the greatest song. I'm not, I'm not here to say it is the greatest song, but buy it like hundred percent, you know, I want to retire early. Album wise, we're hoping to do 36 crazy fists. We're hoping to do pitch shifter. I think we're going to have to fucking relent and do God smack, which I'm not stoked on people. Like I'm really not into that. Do have a big interview with someone who uh, promoted a lot of festivals in Australia, who doesn't do many interviews now, and they, like, if you were in Australia around, like, 2010 to 2016, you probably went to one of their festivals, I reckon, or at least know them or of them. So it's actually really, really cool that it happened. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that. We're going to get Jonathan DeVoy from Jerk back on because people fucking loved him. And if you have any questions about supporting Disturbed or Marilyn Manson, I think they supported either Head PE or POD. It's one of those acronym-esque bands. Uh, yeah, send in the questions. 100% ask them. I'll put something on the Instagram and be like, hey, if you've got any questions, let us know. But yeah, let, let's do this Slipknot thing. So when I finished it, I sent it to my wife and I was like, hey, I've, I've made this song. And she's like, oh, it's cool, whatever. But I've heard you rap faster. And that's true because every time we've been in karaoke, and we've been a lot, I will always do rap songs. It's my one and only flex. And even then, it's a pretty weak flex. So I am working on a very, very quick rap god-esque Mudvayne rap. <laughs> so that one I'm a bit more, like, I don't know, prouder of, I guess. But... This is a, a chilled, sort of laid-back rap. Fucking sit back and enjoy it. Maybe I'll get it mastered and release it and go viral and get a gold grill and retire early. I haven't figured out the plan yet, but I know if you've made it this far in the podcast, you deserve a treat. And whilst I don't have any good treats, I do have a raw, unmixed Piss poorly recorded rap about Slipknot. Since the first time I heard the first line on Slipknot, self-titled in 99, I've been chasing the dragon, dragging my knuckles from album to album. 
piss like a gorilla in the mist Damon album, can't see California without eyes like Marlon's Bury my ass with the chrome, make me scream holding a comb Into my mirror like I'm the kid from home alone Yeah, Kevin, 74261700027 Them the Moy boys help us tune our antennas to hell For they put us all in seventh heaven M-A-G-G-O-T-O-G-O-G-D-G Back with purity Sing along to wait and bleed with ease Even when I'm nearing 78 Ring bother clip, fresh boiler suit drip Basic arithmetic, man People equal shit, low res clip on letterman Screaming along to sick Well that was sick I was 555 since 99 land Before time, before shit got on my sick OG did you pack Copper the CD rack Every damn track was a sneak attack I was 555 since 99 land Before time, before shit got on my sick OG did you pack Full metal racket in the pit of festival hall Just a watch clown jacket Grown men in coveralls, vocal screams were guttural Pushing fingers in my eyes with verses subliminal Habitual dead crow huffing Jenkins style Never call on bluff, fill your lungs till it makes you cough Oh it's rough, mud slide till you're tough Try not to tear up every time I hear snuff Try to cherish every kiss but a blister exists I guess I'm a soft line pseudo statistic And there's no eye in eyeless, it's eyeless Just like slip knots now Chris fineless Oh it's fenless, I guess I'm friendless Now fiend for the Fans, denial is the darkest. Liberate our madness, streamline the sickness, streamline the business, stress test the press, promise the heaviest album yet. Well, who could have guessed? And I was 
my god. Thank you so <laughs> much for making it this far. Oh, what do I do with my time? Like, I could be donating to charity or giving back to the community. <laughs> I'm just sitting in front of my computer. Right, going through Slipknot lyrics to put in a rap song. Fuck. Anyway, see you next week. <laughs>